Hey, my friends, if you're looking for a faster, better way to grow and scale your landscape business, you likely don't need to join just another free Facebook group or watch another YouTube video. What you need is a proven, cohesive growth strategy for your business, along with the one-on-one coaching or group coaching and accountability to support you every step of the way. And that's exactly what the Million Dollar Academy delivers to you. The Million Dollar Academy is coaching, tools, accountability, and done-free resources for landscapers who want to take the guesswork out of scaling and growing towards a profitable multiple six, even seven-figure-plus business without all the stress and all the hours of agonizing. How do I get everything done? Or am I doing this right? Or what do I need to focus on next? The Million Dollar Academy is about thinking differently and thinking bigger about how to be a successful business owner. It's about more than just being good at landscaping. It's about how to create more profit and how to scale all while relieving some of the pressure on yourself. We do have group and one-on-one coaching spots available. So if you want to go learn more, head over to milliondollarlandscaper.com forward slash academy and get in there today. If you've ever struggled the daily grind of making and keeping track of work orders, you have to check out Easy Beasy. Easy Beasy's easy to use, easy to learn, affordable work order and time clock app with unlimited users included with every subscription. Make and edit work orders anytime, anywhere you're working, at your desk, in your truck, on the job site, even on your couch. With Easy Beasy, you can easily copy work orders to use over and over, which is great for mowing and plowing. You can also keep track of employee timesheets, contact your customers, add notes, instructions, even pictures of your jobs. Easy Beasy works on Android and Apple devices or any tablet or computer. Easy Beasy also has a wide variety of reports so you can have all the info you need for billing right from your phone. Say goodbye to paying for extra users because everyone gets unlimited users on Easy Beasy. Try Easy Beasy for free for 30 days. Visit easybeasy.app forward slash MDL to sign up. Easy Beasy is a simple work order and time clock app for mow crews, hardscape crews, and everything in between. Start saving time and money with Easy Beasy. Visit easybeasy.app forward slash MDL to sign up today. We want to take a quick second to tell you about our friends over at Cycle CPA. I can't even express to you how important it is to have a good accountant on your side. You know you want accurate bookkeeping and financial statements every month. Instead, you're often left with limited time to focus on the accounting side of your business and no reports to show for it. At Cycle CPA, the landscaping accountants, they not only handle the bookkeeping, but also provide landscape industry benchmarking, job costing, financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA has a team of landscaping accountants available to provide anything from bookkeeping to CFO services. Visit CycleCPA.com and for $100 off, mention the Million Dollar Landscaper podcast. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Landscaper podcast. Today, I'm so excited to bring on our special guest. His name is Joshua Gillow. He is a founder of Yes Express. Yes Express is a company that helps teach outdoor living contractors systems they really need to be able to sell more work and live a more prosperous life. He has a passion for outdoor living. In fact, he's been in the industry for over 24 years. So, so excited to have you on here, Joshua. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Scott, for having me on. And yeah, man, it's been a fun ride. So I can't wait to unpack it here with you. Yeah, it's awesome. So for those that are familiar with you, you mind sharing a little bit about your story, a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the green industry? Absolutely. Yeah. I have to say it's all my mom's fault. 
Right. So uh, at the age of five years old, she started the garden center and my father was a meat cutter and he was a manager at a store and she wanted to start a garden center because both her kids took off to school. My brother's about 18 months younger than me. So, you know, roughly the same time, took off to school and she was bored. Loved to raise plants, started raising them right out of the windowsill out in the house. My dad built her a greenhouse and that's, you know, the 40 years later, they're still in business, you know, 10 acres of greenhouses and all. So I grew up in the garden center world and learning plants and growing them, selling them and all that. And it wasn't until about the age of 18 where customers started coming in and asking, you know, if we could start installing these kinds of things. And then I'm like, like, okay, cool. And growing up in that garden center, Scott, you know, we never got paid a dollar to work there, right? We had food on the table. We had plenty of work. We were never bored. Obviously didn't have phones back then. So we were, you know, quite entertained with all the stuff going on. I'd go to farms on the weekend and bale hay for 20 bucks a day just so I had some extra cash, right? So didn't grow up with any money or anything like that, but it taught me tremendous lessons about, you know, working for the sake of the working and the work ethic that comes with that kind of upbringing. But around age 18, clients started coming in, customers started coming in asking, hey, can you guys install this? Will your boys install this? Will they install that? And we started thinking like, hey, why don't we do that? Why don't we start installing things? And I'll never forget it, Scott, the first time a customer, we did a project for them and they, they offered to pay us $1,000 a day to do work You know, for this project. It was a cleanup. And I was looking, I'm like, a thousand bucks a day? Scott, there's seven days in a week. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I had never even considered that kind of money before. And I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. Can we build a business around this? So my brother and my father and I started Timber Rock, which is our design build firm. And did that for about 15 years. And we started out with basic cleanups. And we never did lawn care as much, but we did a lot more cleanups and plantings and things that we knew best from the garden center. Got into ponds because we sold a lot of water and aquatic stuff there. And then moved on just kind of as the industry was changing and evolving, you know, outdoor living became a thing, right? People wanted the patios and the walls and the fire pit that became a thing that they wanted to buy. So we started offering all of these things and learning and growing. And like I said, we did it for about 15 years and then I decided to get more focused in, I figured there had to be a better way to make money because when it came to design build, I felt like there were so many years that by the end of the year, like, wow, we have all this money. By the end of the winter, we're in Pennsylvania. So by the end of the winter, we didn't plow snow. By April, after we paid the tax man, I felt like I was starting a brand new business all over again. And it was a cycle all the time. Like, I didn't know any better. I got my EIN from the government. They slapped me on the ass and said, hey, have fun paying taxes. I knew nothing. I didn't have a business background. I had to figure this stuff out. And I realized, wait a minute here, maybe there's a better way to do this. So I said, what was the best part of the design build side? And I want to take that with me and start a design manage. I see home builders doing this, I see pool builders doing this. How do they manage the idea, the client, the experience, the monies, all of that stuff, but not have to have all the crews in house? So then I said, okay, why don't we start it? And that was, you know, again, that was about 13 years ago when I started Master Plan, which is design manage. We do all the design work and manage the clients and permits and all that stuff. We just don't have any crews in house, right? So I figured I'd create something like the best of both worlds. And that's what we did. And I've got an incredible team that now runs that business. And uh, it frees me up then to do other things like teach other people and how it, to do that and to all the different things that we've learned along our path in the last 25 plus years doing this so they can get to the goal faster and not sit there and spin their wheels like I did for over 20 years until I started to figure these things out. So that's my story in a nutshell for you. That is amazing. Would you mind sharing with the audience a little bit more about the Yes Express? Absolutely. So I had a problem with Master Plan, my design managed company. I was constantly putting more money into advertising and I noticed that I figured, okay, if I just put more money into marketing, I could get more leads that were qualified out the backside and more projects that I could sell, right? So if I went to see four projects and got one or two out of them, right? 
25 to 50% closing rate. I just need to ramp up the front side so I can get more leads in so that I'll have more at the end, right? Makes sense, right? More in, more out. Yeah. So I was doing that, but the problem I had was I sit there thinking, man, I just don't have as much time as it takes to do all this. I don't, you know, time is finite. We all get, whether you're Elon Musk or, or you or me, we all get 24 hours. And I've got a family, two young boys, all this stuff. Like I have a life. If I up the marketing side and increase the amount of people I have to go see, I still feel like there's a problem here. Like what if I saw less people and got more to say yes? That was a big question I asked. How can we do this? Maybe it's an internal problem. Maybe it's a problem within the business that if I just solved that problem and I went out and met with clients in 90 plus percent of people said yes to me, I could see less and make more. I could spend more time with my family and I wouldn't have all this struggle and frustration, which I did for years, dude. You have no idea how many times I've been told no because I just thought volume was what it was all about. Just see more people. Someone is going to say yes, see more people. And eventually some did, but all the wasted time, all the wasted designs, all the wasted proposals, or better yet, we did the design for free back in those days and a proposal. And next thing you know, you drive by six months later and your competitor's building it. Your design, right? And you're like, what the F? What are you talking about here? Like, why did this happen? Like, I spent all that time. I might have eight, 10 hours in a design and then a proposal and the ins and outs for the project and all this stuff or more. And someone else gets it. I'm like, that's time I just robbed from my family. And I didn't really realize that when I was young because I had tons of time and didn't have a lot of responsibilities. But when a family comes along, it becomes different, right? So I said, there has to be a better way. So what I did is I hired a sales coach and I said, look, here's the situation. I'm trying to minimize how much I need to put in the front side, the marketing side, and maximize how much I get out the back side. And yes, is proposals, projects, profitable projects. Like that was the goal. How do we do this? I don't know anybody else that's doing this right now. All they want is to ramp up the marketing and hope like hell they get a few at the end. I want to flip that. So we did that and created this model where we have a sales process, right? We designed it just for that business. And the crazy thing is, Scott, in less than a year, we doubled sales, added a million dollars to the top line, $200,000 to the bottom line at the time. Right. And I saw less people. I was home more with my family. And I was like, wait a minute here. This is really the best way to do this. I'm like, holy crap. And I said, all right, now this is good that I figured this out, but who else could use this? So I reached out to some others in the industry and said, hey, why don't you try this? I'll train you what I learned and see if it helps you. And they started doubling their businesses. And I was like, holy moly. I'm like, we're on to something here. And I know the struggle that I went through. I know all the time that I had to tell my wife, I can't do this or don't schedule something for me there because I have to go out to these projects. I was so freaking self-important. You know, I had all these things to do and all I was really doing is spinning my wheels. So this gave me the leverage and the opportunity to spend more time with my family and have less time working with clients who really were never going to buy anyway. So once I learned that, once I saw it working to get to answer your question, I said, how else can I help? How can I take what I've learned? I've gone through the struggles. How can I help others not go through 20 years of struggle before making this happen? And so I decided to start Yes Express to help people in our industry, you know, landscapers, hardscapers, outdoor living professionals, have a better conversation with their clients so they can make sure they're weeding the right ones out in the beginning, make sure they're going to spend their time. Because think about it, if you have 10 people that call you, say in a week, right, or a day, it doesn't really matter. And you can go through through a conversation on the phone, never leaving your office or a Zoom call, get a sense where maybe only five of them are viable that really want what you have. What if you knew which five they were? And what if you could spend your time, 100% of your time on those five people instead of trying to spread yourself thin to 10 people knowing five aren't going to buy? What if you could have that kind of laser focus and then you can go out and meet with those clients and then move them through a process that they can get the very best results and you can have the very best experience for them provided and make some money too, right? So that's what we developed with Yes Express is to create that model, that environment where we can teach people how to do that. I love it. The biggest thing, one of the things I took away from what you said there was 
a lot of landscapers get stuck in this mindset. That's just the way it is. We don't make yep. money or that's just the sales process or the sales method we've been doing. It's just get more traffic, get more leads, get out there and talk to more people. And it eats up your time. I like not blaming my dad. He did what he had to do for the business, but my dad was never around. We never went on vacation and we never did anything because he's out working and hustling, trying to get more jobs and more leads and doing all that stuff. So I totally get where you're coming from. In our business, it wasn't until I joined a accountability program and a mastermind program where I started learning some of these sales processes and so, you know, trying to get out there and then get the leads that are our true clients, what we wanted. It took a while for my dad to really understand that concept because he got stuck in that mindset of this, just how it is. It's just the way this industry is. I'm like, no, it doesn't have to be. I don't want to live my life that way. <laughs> Good thing you figured that out. It's sad. It, it is. You know, and the, you know what the average closing rate is in our industry for people that go out and look at projects and actually get them at the end, our closing rate. Do you know what the average is for industry? Is it around 50%? 25%. Oh, wow. Okay. If we're being honest. Now, some guys are at 100%. That's amazing. A lot of good, you know, referral based clients. Awesome. You guys, awesome. Keep rolling. But a lot of the guys out there, like myself in the very beginning, were struggling. I was probably at 25, 30, maybe 50% if I was doing really freaking good that month. But for the most part, first of all, I wasn't even tracking that. I just kept ignoring all the ones that said no. And I said, I, don't, I only want to focus on the ones that say yes. But the reality is, when I put pen to paper, that's what my coach had me do. I started looking at it. I was like, mm -hmm. Uh-oh, <laughs> I can see where the problem's at. And I didn't want to face that, but I eventually did, just like any other fear. If you face it and you name it, you can tame it, right? So we tamed it down and said, okay, this is what we need to do. Now, it's not going to be easy, but it is pretty simple what we need to do. Yeah. So now we just had to buckle down and learn. And my coach was a drill sergeant when it came to the way he... It made me do things, right? I was very uncomfortable in the very beginning. We did a lot of role play stuff, which I've never done, you know, and it, it just, I remember days getting up at 4.30 in the morning and just learning the different things I had to do because this was not normal for me. This was different, right? I, I was never taught this. Like I said, you get your EIN and you say, go to town, make some money for the government. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't care if you make any profit. They don't care at all. They just want their pound of flesh. So now it's like, all right, how do I ensure that each and every project I go on is going to be a, a, a client that I want to work with, right? This is not a one-way deal. This is not, oh, they have a heartbeat and a checkbook. I need to be able to get this project. You know what I mean? This is about, do we mesh as people? Is this going to be an experience that we both enjoy and not someone who's screaming at you because you're the stupid contractor and you're like, oh, there's a stupid client. You've got this back and forth thing and no one enjoys that at all. So what if we could choose? What if we both had the choice? whether we wanted to engage in a relationship or not. Yeah. Just like dating, right? Same basic concept. So it's a matter of like, do you both want to be in this together or not? And through a process, you can find more of them. You're not going to get every single one. There's nothing that works perfectly out there. But it's a matter of getting a lot more grateful clients that are willing to pay you what you're worth and are willing to listen to your suggestions and let you lead and not be being told and smashed down because you're the stupid contractor and I'm the guy with the checkbook telling you what to do. Those people need to get out the door quick. I'm not interested in working with them. Yeah. I remember going out and trying to get some maintenance clients and commercial stuff. I started making a list of clients that I wanted to reach out to. I, yeah. Clients are in the areas I want to be into and, and you know, ones that I could see that were taking care of the property and not letting it go. Just our ideal client. My dad's like, no, he's got to get to everybody. Yeah. But I don't want to work for anybody. I don't want to do those clients that are just mow and glow type of business. That's not what I want. So yeah, yeah it's, it's just funny. And I think a lot of landscapers struggle with the mindsets type of stuff. Do you mind elaborating? Because I know this is something that you're huge on in your business. Yeah, I mean, getting into it, you know, when it comes to the mindset side, that's one thing, that's the one piece of the puzzle that I didn't understand in the very beginning. You know, I just thought business was a matter of volume, right? The more people threw, the more throughput, the more money you could make. And you didn't really have to deal with a whole lot other than just doing your craft well, 
right? Or better than the competition, whatever, cheaper it might be, like whatever it might be, better idea in the design. But what I, when I started to hire coaches into my life, because originally, Scott, my goal was to figure it all out on my own. You know what I mean? I'd read a book, I'd go to a seminar, and I'd be like, all right, I'm just, I'm, I'll do it, right? I, I'll do it. No one else has to help me, no holding my hand. I'm just going to do it myself. And the problem I found is that I can take a long time to get these things done. I'm like thinking, wait a minute here. If I look at the people that I respect most in life, like the business owners and the fathers and the entrepreneurs out there, and I look at them and I say, what's a common thread that they all have? And one thing that they all have is they work a lot on themselves. And I was like, but how do you work on yourself? Like, I don't understand that. I thought it was all about getting better at my craft. I thought it was always about better landscaping or planting bushes so they don't die or learning like different Latin names or better ways to install pavers. Like, that's what I thought the education went to. And what I've found here, Scott, and this is the part I hope the listeners really take in, is these guys and gals that I was looking up to, they invested more in themselves than on themselves. And what I mean by that is they were willing to take time and money, resources, right? They were willing to take those and push themselves to the limits, their perceived limits. And what they then realize is there's so much more beyond that. Most people get trapped in the six inches of real estate between their ears, right? Most people think, you know what? And I was, I'm guilty as hell of this too. I mean, when I was younger, this was me. I'm not sitting here yelling at the listeners. I'm simply saying that this was me too. I thought that everything that was going on in my life was showing me that I was always going to be that way, that I was born that way, that my parents, my, my upbringing was this way. This is how it's always going to be. I only, I'm only ever going to make just enough to pay the bills. I'm only going to make have just enough clients to, to make this thing work and just enough to keep the employees busy and just enough. So I had this just enough mentality and, and this mindset. And I'm thinking, where did I get that from? When I started seeing others and I started investing in myself and getting really uncomfortable and asking big questions that were scary, like, uh, am I enough? What will other people think if I don't do what I normally do, right? Do I have what it takes? Constantly thinking through these different thoughts and thinking like, wait a minute here, this opens doors, man. Like this, this is Pandora's box when you start getting in there. And I started to work with people and I hired my first life coach. He was from, I don't know if you ever read the book E-Myth, right by Michael Gerber. Excellent book. It's one of the first books I read in this subject. And I hired a coach right away. And I'm like, you know what? I need to hire somebody that can help me with this. I didn't have the money at the time. You know, I was like, crap, we're going to come up with like two grand. Like, where am I going to come up with that kind of money? And what's this guy going to tell me that I already don't know? Because of course I knew everything back then, right? Like, you know, and so it's like, what's he going to tell me? And one of the first things he had me do, Scott, I'll never forget it, is he had me write my own eulogy. So he said, your exercise for the week is to write your own eulogy. And I was like, what are you talking about, John? You're out of your mind. Like, how do I even do that? He goes, picture this, your wife, your kids, your family, your friends, are all in the front of the church. Your box is right in front of them. They're saying a eulogy over top of you. They're telling your life story and what you meant to them. What do you want them to be saying? And it's not from an ego side. It's none of that. What do you want your life to have meant? Do you want it to be the guy that just worked all the time, was never around? Or do you want to make a big impact and know that I have two sons, so know that your sons are living in the model that you created for them? And I was like, oh, that's not going to be easy. So I'll never forget it. I sat there on a Saturday morning I'm sitting around my kitchen table and my little guys, they were probably three and five at the time. They're running around under my feet around having fun and I'm bawling my eyes out writing this eulogy because I knew, Scott, that I was not that man. I was the man that was addicted to my work. I was the man that just went there for safety. I went there because there's certainty and I can control it. This whole thing with kids and family and all, it was uncertain and you didn't know what was going on. So I, I felt like I always gravitated toward the easier stuff, right? The things that I can control. And I sat there weeping like crazy thinking, you know what, if I want to become the man that I'm writing about right now, I need to change some big stuff. 
And that started me on a journey. It started me on a journey of self-discovery and it's been nothing but incredible. And what I've learned along that journey, now I can take into business, I can take into my family, I can take into being a father, a husband, a leader, all of those things. And I can help others see through the things that I never even knew existed. Because once you see it, you can't unsee it. And you're like, wait a minute here, it sounds like a lot of work, but Scott, it's been the very best investment of my time, my resources that I've ever seen. Being able to take others with me on the journey and impact and empower others to take this walk as well has been one of my biggest life's, I don't know, fulfillments that there's been. You know, we have a men's event and, and also, you know, other events that we do where we travel around the country and we hike mountains. We do, you know, like 14,000 foot peaks. We do Grand Canyon. We just did a night hike in the Appalachian. We went 24 hours straight, 12 hours of learning and 12 hours of hiking. We never stopped. And you get to meet a different side of yourself. You get to push yourself beyond limits you ever thought you had. And once you do push yourself that far, you realize there's so much more in the tank. All those small beliefs that you have about how I can only work this much or I need to work so much more or whatever it might be, those things disappear when you start to see it for what it is. And that's the crazy part. Once you finally push yourself to that limit and then you say, what else is there out there? If I can do this, what else could I do? The what if, right? Not what if it goes wrong, but what else could I do? If I could do this, and, and Goggins says it best, David Goggins is the best. You know, it's about the cookie jar, right? You've probably read his book or heard his stuff. He talks about the cookie jar. And the more cookies you put in that cookie jar, when you're struggling and you think back, like for instance, my wife and I, we did a, a seven-day fast, water only. And I like to eat. I've always liked to eat. I've never missed a meal in my life. And then we started this process. It wasn't an overnight thing. And we eventually built up over a few months of, of conditioning up to a seven-day fast where it was water only. And there's times now when I'm hungry throughout the day and immediately I go back and pull out of the cookie jar and be like, dude, you went seven days without food. You're fine. But it's the same type of thing. Or you've already hiked all these mountains. You can't tell me your legs hurt right now. Or you're working out. You've already lifted so much more than this. So it's encouragement because you know you can dig in that cookie jar and pull it out. These are the kinds of things that mindset can, can do for you because, Scott, whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. Henry Ford said it right, right? Yeah. Whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're right. So how can we wire our minds to a way that we can believe more that we can? Because when we can have a vacation each and every year and we can make time for that, it's important. It's as opposed to, I'm just too busy. Basically, what you're saying is I'm too important for everything else because this is easier. That's what I said for years. And God bless my wife. She's from Germany and they travel and do a lot more vacations and things. And she's like, hey, you know, we have the, we're going to plan out this trip. We're going to go with the family. We're going to be there for like three weeks. I'm like, weeks in the summer? Scott, is that even possible? The whole place is going to burn down if I'm not there. Like, there's no way this works. Well, I said, nope, it's going to work. And after three weeks, I came back, nothing burnt down. People figured things out. The vacuum, because I wasn't there, got filled in by other people who did it better than me. I got out of the way. That's awesome. That's the cool part about this. But you've got to have the mindset. You've got to understand. You've got to trust. And the hardest part in business is to trust people around you to do it as good as you. The problem is you aren't that good at it. Let's be honest. There are others you can hire that are a hell of a lot better than you at designing, at building, at managing, at books, at CFO roles, all of this. There are people that are much better than you. If you get the hell out of your ego and you step back and say, do you want to own your job the rest of your life? Or do you want to own a business that creates an ROI that gives you a return on your investment that you can travel and do things while it's working and growing and you aren't there? What do you want? Do you want to own your job or do you want to own a business? I love it. And it's all 100% true. Everything you said there, it is that mindset people get stuck in. And it's very sad when we see many landscapers are, are that way. And I, I appreciate you creating this program where you put all these landscapers through or business owners through and, and help them overcome that. That's awesome. Thank you. It's been such a blessing. It's such a blessing to be part, such a privilege to be part of their lives. 
And it's just such a fulfillment. It's so beautiful. I know my parents were the same way, like trying to get my dad to take a vacation. Like I said, we never took a vacation. We grew up, well, I came from a farmer, uh, farming industry. My dad farmed, my grandfather farmed, and that's what we did. We just worked and worked and worked. Yeah. And then my dad decided to get in landscaping and he just continued that mindset, work, work, work. And the same, pretty similar to how your wife kind of hit you on the head and said, hey, we got to do things different. Yeah. Same thing my wife, I'm always like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to work all the time. Yeah. No, you're right. I don't either. I want to go enjoy it. I took a three-week vacation two years ago. It was awesome. It was freaking awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you come back, everything's good. In the first week, you're just, you're finally becoming unpressurized, right? From the yeah. world. The second week, you're riding it out and, you know, just enjoying being free again, right? Free of mind, free of soul, free of all of it. But the idea is scary as hell. Because we find ourselves, we paint ourselves into little corners as business owners, right? I did it for years where I was the only one that could do it. I was an island. I would never reach out for help. Of course, I wouldn't reach out for help. I already had all the answers. The egos kicked in, right? So what we like to do with the S-Express model is to blend sales, communication, and mindset all together because they all fit together. I'm not going to, you know, our program isn't set up that we're going to come in and teach you a bunch of you know, one-liners that's going to help clear all your uh, objections from day one right out through, and you're going to control your people, and they're going to just jump when you say jump, and then they're going to ask how high. That's all bullshit. Anybody's <laughs> trying to sell you that box of, of tricks, it's bullshit. So, you know, it's really a matter of how do you have a communication? How do you set up a communication where both of you can win? That's what it is, because not every client is a good client, like we talked about earlier. And how do we find that out early? How do we get rid of those objections early on and make sure we're listening really well? making sure that we're, I mean, actively, gentlemen, I'm sorry, but I struggle with this too, <laughs> actively listening, not just hearing. You know, when Mrs. Jones says she wants to have a, you know, a new deck put on the back of her house or a new patio put out in the backyard, and she wants to sit out there in the sun and bake like a seal because she loves the sun, she's a sun worshiper, you better make sure you're writing those words down. Because Mrs. Jones doesn't want to pave her patio. She wants an outdoor space. She wants a patio that she can bake like a seal in the sun. That is what she wants. When you say patio, she doesn't want that. She wants all of that, right? You have to paint the picture with her. Give her the brushes, let her do it for you. That's where active listening comes in. If you aren't listening, you just write down patio. She doesn't want a patio. She wants a space she can bake in the sun like a seal. Understand the difference? (laughs) It's huge because think of it. If I say the word car right now to you, Scott, immediately, whether we like it or not, we immediately get a picture in our mind of what a car is. And what's the likelihood of the picture I have in my mind for what a car looks like? Color, make, model, how many tires, all that kind of stuff. What's the likelihood of it being the same as it's in your mind right now? Probably not. Zero. (laughs) Zero, right? Unless there's only one car to pick from. It's the only one in the world, right? But there isn't. We have choices. So patio, fire pit, landscaping, they're words. People use those sounds to generate an idea, right, in their own minds. And they try to say to you, patio... And you think patio and problem is that our pictures don't line up. So our jobs as professionals is to give the clients the paintbrushes through great questions and let them paint that picture for you. So that when you get to these time when it comes to designing that or building that space, you know what's in their heads. The chance of success is significantly higher. And the chance of you losing money is significantly lower, right? So it's just about that listening side of things. And that's what we teach so deeply in what we do. It's to be a great listener, to be a detective, to unlock the case, to have people tell you exactly what you need to know, all the way from what we call hot button, which is getting a sense of, you probably have seen it before in the industry where you have a client where has 15 different 
high priorities for the project, right? They want the deck, the pool, the patio, the landscaping, the lighting, the sound system, the dog fence, the da 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 down to right. But you know deep down that one or two of those things are the highest priorities. They just maybe haven't prioritized them yet. So if you go in to design that and you give them everything that they've asked for, most likely you're going to blow budget and they're not going to want half of that stuff because they're just nice to halves. Let's get down to the brass tacks. Let's get down to what they truly, truly want in that space. And then we know what to work with. And then we do what's called life effect. We try to figure out why they want them. We're going to future pace and get a sense of what their life is going to be like with these. What are they going to feel? What did they see? Let them paint the picture. We give them the paintbrushes. By the end of those two processes, which are very simple and fast, those two processes, we have a very good idea of what we need to design. They've already painted it for us in their words, and we're capturing their words so that when we go back to them and explain to them, here, Mrs. Jones, look, you mentioned that you wanted to have a patio in the backyard that you could bake like a seal in the hot sun. Did I get that right? Yeah, exactly. Like pictures are closer now, right? If I'm using words for pictures, now all of a sudden they are her pictures. Okay, cool. Take a look at this space. We have your chair right here. You can bake in the sun. You also mentioned that you wanted to read a book. So we kept it a little bit close to the tree. So by the afternoon when the sun's too hot, like you mentioned, now you can be reading your book and you can move your chair if you want to. How does that work for you? As opposed to, we only do 10 by 20 patios. Here you go. <laughs> you know, seriously, you wonder why you don't get the lead. You wonder, you wonder why you don't get the sale because we aren't listening. And I say we because I used to be that guy. I used to just say, no, I have the best idea. I know what it needs to look like. I'm the professional here. Basically, sit down and shut up. I want to show you what it's going to look like. People don't want that, especially not nowadays. What they want is someone who listens well, who can solve a problem in the most logical, efficient, and beautiful way based on what they want. Well, I loved how you kind of went through and you said you have like a process that you go through. And this is all part of your sales process that you teach in your system, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. We also hit on something that most that they cringe at or they shy away from. And it was the one thing that I shied away from for years because I didn't know how to handle this subject, subject of budget and asking for the sale. Like, how do you do that without sounding sleazy? Hey, Mrs. Jones, how much money you got? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Basically what you're asking, right? Yeah. How much money you got? And the problem with that is that no one feels good in those kinds of situations. So what we have to do is we unpack that. We have three questions that we ask and those three questions unlock that every single time. And this amazing part is if your client gives you the budget, if Mrs. Jones, you're talking to her and you end up working through this process and you get the budget from her and she tells you, I've got 25,000, I've got 125, doesn't matter, fill in the blank. I have X to work with or I have a range of X to Y. What's the likelihood of her upholding that budget when it comes time to look at numbers later versus us saying, you know what, Mrs. Jones, sorry, that project is going to be $125,000. Does that work for you? You're telling her versus her telling you. There's a massive gap in there because she's going to probably say, mm, yeah, okay. And in her mind, she's thinking, no way I'd spend that much, but maybe they got some ideas I can pare down at the end and I'll, I'll make something work because I'm, I'm desperate or I never worked with a designer. Because let's be honest, most people in our industry don't realize that homeowners only buy outdoor living once or twice in a lifetime. It's not like a car where it's a three to five year cycle where they're used to the sales process. They're used to buying a car. They know what they can compare model to model. I go out and look for a Ford Explorer or a Jeep, this, whatever. Like people are used to being able to compare. How do you compare proposals when you have completely different solutions? So a client then only looks at numbers and then uses their gut to fill the rest in. They don't know. Can you blame them? No. They're trying to do the best they can. They don't have any experience in this category. So it's our job to be the guides, to guide them with value first and be okay if the client, we call it outcome independence. If the client doesn't go with you, how do we direct them to a solution they're going to win with if it's not us? 
Scott, we've gotten so many referrals from people we've told no because we weren't a good fit. It blow your mind. Because next thing you know, they're like, well, you know what? Master plan wasn't the company that could do what I wanted to do. I just needed a simple fence. But we had a deep conversation and I my, my cousin is actually building a house. And I think what you offer is exactly what they need. So then cousin calls. Next thing you know, you're like, oh, this is helping, right? So value first, you guide people. You're not the hero in the situation. Oftentimes, I was trying to be the hero in the situation. I'm not the hero, the guy with the best idea. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do and you're just going to follow me. No, asking good how and what questions are going to open up a great conversation. And in that conversation, you're going to be able to let them paint their own picture. You take that picture, build it. It's very simple, but setting expectations is the most important part up front. If their expectation for the project is 25000 and your design from what they told you after you painted the picture is 125000 there's going to be a problem. <laughs> so we have to have that conversation. We have to talk about budget. We have to do it in a way that doesn't feel slimy to anybody. So it's a three-step process we go through with every client. We get a sense of where they are with their budget because we can design. Uh, one of the famous lines that I use, like, my computer has no heart. It'll spend every dollar you'll ever make. It's, it's not a problem to do that. But will that actually help you? Will you engage this outdoor space more because of that or less? We don't just buy features for the sake of features. If you aren't using these features, we are not building them. That's simple. Clients like when you give them guardrails because they honestly think when they call a contractor, they're putting their defenses up quickly because they're thinking, you know what? This guy's going to try to, whatever I say I want, he can do it in like probably three different levels, right? Good, better, best. And I can spend a lot of money on things I probably won't use. I need guidance. We do that every day. We've helped hundreds, if not thousands of clients over the years, actually thousands of clients at this point, do the same process. So we know what people want, what they don't want. They don't want to double the cost of their home. They're not going to increase that much value. If they were to say it's a $200,000 house, they have $200,000 of outdoor living in it. It's not going to sell for $400,000. We all know that. <laughs> they eventually come to that realization. And that's usually right around the time they're about ready to sign your contract and they don't. So why not have that conversation early? Why not say, Mrs. Jones, I know it's not your goal to, to double the, the cost of your house. You know, you know, especially if they only have a couple of year time horizon before they are going to sell. It's another big question. Is this your forever home? In our questionnaire process, is this your forever home? If they say, no, it's not. We're only going to be here for another two to five years. Then why the hell would you spend $150,000 when you know you're not going to get more than $50,000 out of it when you sell it? So we have that conversation with them. If they're like, no, I just want this. Okay, that's fine. But I just want to be honest with you up front. So they don't do it later. That's an objection just waiting to happen. So it's going through things like that and being honest and guiding human to human. How would you want to be treated, Scott? That's amazing. We, uh, in our, our academy program, we've been discussing some of this stuff here recently because a lot of landscapers get stuck in the sales process or don't even have a sales process and, and something to go through. And yep. the, the one gentleman I can recall, he he's a big system procedure fan. He's like, I never thought about having a sales process before and yep. having a way to go through. So it's that's awesome that you, this is what you teach in your, in your program. And I love the questions you just you gave everybody. So everybody, make sure you're taking notes and write these down and use these <laughs> in your sales pitch right now. I'll throw one out there for you guys for the budget side, since that tends to be the subject that most want guidance on. You know, when it comes to budget, we always want them to be the ones that elicit that number, right? And in our questionnaire process, we ask what range. We have five different ranges. They're in X to Y, X to Y, X to Y. We have funny little names for them and people can pick. So we have a sense in the beginning, whether they're thinking 50,000 or whether they're thinking 500,000, like, I don't know, what are they thinking? In the relationship that we have with our clients, it's way too early to ask direct questions like that. We've got to build rapport. We work a lot on that with our process. Build rapport with people first. Get into their world. Understand them so they feel like they're understood. And once they feel like they're understood, they're going to open up a lot more. If you're just asking them point blank questions with no connection, there's no rapport built, they're not going to give you honest answers. 
They're going to just tell you whatever they want to tell you. And then later on, it'll come up as an objection. So working them, bringing them through a process where they can be honest with themselves and with you is going to get you to where you need to go faster. Now, I say all of that because now we'll go back to the budget side of things. So if you're working with a client and they provide a budget in that questionnaire, let's just call it 50 to 100,000. That's great that they give you a 50 to $100,000 budget, but there's a big difference between 50 and 100,000, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Right? And there's also a big difference in what their expectations are with that investment. That one of the first questions you can ask if Mrs. Jones has given you that budget for 50 to 100,000, and you can ask her, what do you hope that will cover? Even if they already told you what they think it's going to cover before, ask them again. What do you hope once you get to that number and they elicit 50 to 100,000, say, yep, that's what we want to invest, 50 to 100,000, sounds great. What do you hope that will cover? And just silence from the salesperson. Let them talk. If they say nothing, the silence will make them speak. Well, well, I'm really hoping it includes everything like the pool, the deck, the patio, the landscaping, the lighting. And you're sitting there thinking as a professional, there's no way in hell that's going to happen, right? (laughs) right? But you say, okay, well, that happens, right? Again, one or two times in a lifetime. They don't know. We cannot blame them. We call them dumb. Like they don't know what these things cost. They don't realize how much the COVID era has pushed the cost of things up through the roof. And like they don't realize, no, they don't. They don't do it every day. We do. Most of the time, we're way too close to the fire. And we expect everybody else in our universe, including new clients who have never done this in their life, to know what we know. How foolish is that? Then we get mad if they don't understand that a pool now went from 30000 to sixty or whatever, like it doubled in cost in the last couple of years. And we get mad at them for not knowing that. How can they possibly know that? So we have to guide them. We have to understand that they don't know these things. So let's be here to help them. And if their budget's low, you can go through and say, all right, I totally get it. Are you open to dividing this project up into phases in order to get what you want? And most would be like, yes or no, it depends, right? And you can start getting a sense of what they're looking for. You know, so those kinds of questions are what we have for that side of the budget. But the first and foremost is to get a sense of what do they hope that will cover? And are we looking more 50 or 100,000? Because the difference between the two can be quite substantial in what I can offer you in features, functions, and, and uh, sizing and things like that. So to get a sense of what side there are on that scale, and if they say, okay, do you have a not to exceed budget? You know, I will not go over 100,000. I will not put more than 100 grand in this house. And I'd say, okay, great. So what do you hope that will cover? And you can move through that process, right? And then if they are way off, if they're way off track and they've got $250,000 worth of wants and they've got a $150,000 budget, whatever, you can say, okay, are you guys open to learning about what these things really cost? We're asking permission to have that conversation. You can't just say, guys, you suck. This is what this stuff costs. Have you lived under a rock? That's what we want to say, right? But that's not how we approach this. We have to understand there's always empathy in our conversation. These things are simple to learn. It might sound like, oh my God, this is so foreign. He's speaking Chinese right now. It's not that hard. Train hundreds of people and companies around the country yearly on this exact subject in order to help them have a better conversation. You know the crazy part then, Scott? This isn't just business then. They start to communicate better with their wives, with their kids, with their families, with friends, with teams, because they start asking questions as opposed to talking a lot. And then they get a much better view of what their world looks like. Because everybody looks out of a certain filter of life experiences, traumas, everything, right? They look through a filter through their eyes and they assign meaning to everything. We all do it. It's a human nature. It's a human experience. We need to get into the world and see what their filter is. Then we can effectively influence them. That's all leadership is, is influence. We can't influence people until we understand what drives them. It's that simple. Yeah, same thing with their customers. Until you- <laughs> 100%, yeah. It's humans in general. They just happen to be someone looking to exchange a value. This is something that we talk about is you have to be the educator because there is so much misinformation out there. If oh, people yeah. go on and look how much a pool is in our area, it's probably way off from what it actually is or you know, 
what's a hardscape cost in my area? It's way off. Home Advisor puts out some crappy information out there, but they do. people see it and they read it and that's what they think it is. And that's our job to educate them, like you said. So that's amazing. But we have to remember once or twice in a lifetime, they're going to these other sources so that they can educate themselves because they might be in the research phase of their buying decision, right? Let's just get an awareness. I don't know anything about a swimming pool. I don't know anything about a patio. Let me learn a little bit before someone tells me what I'm supposed to think and then I'm wrong. And the last thing they want is egg in their face. The last thing they want to do is have a party and have a friend saying, what the hell is that? You're like, it's my patio. No, that, that is horrible. That's going to last a week, right? And then, then they feel like there's a social shame involved. They don't want to deal with regret. That's their number one emotion they're trying to avoid is regret and making a bad decision, a quick decision, a cheap decision, an expensive decision, whatever, a bad decision. So they'll do research in order to figure that out. The question is, how much influence will you have in that research if you don't educate them, if you don't become that voice to help them along the way because you're a guide, not the hero? Do you ask some of these questions, like even before you go out and meet with the customer, just to see if they're like a good fit? Do you do any pre-qualification or is that something you recommend? We definitely do. Yeah. I mean, there's the way the process works is that the first, most of the time it's a call or some kind of contact form or a message on social, whatever it might be. And that's where the team does an initial call. So that's a very light call designed to see if we're even in the same field, right? That's the goal. All right. It's nice and light. Team takes care of all of that. And by the end, they know that we do charge for design and that uh, see if we're a good fit, if that makes sense. And the next step is a questionnaire. It's a little bit of homework for them to do. Not a lot. Take a couple minutes. We want to see if they're vested in working with us or whether they're just looking for a heartbeat. Because if are just looking for a contractor and a backhoe, you know, to dig a hole or whatever it might be, then we're probably not going to be those guys. And I don't know that you want to be those guys. So if they're willing to do a little bit of homework for themselves, this is not like all one-sided where the company needs to know this and we require it. Like those kinds of words are going to push people away. But when you say something like, hey guys, sit down and let's start dreaming about your outdoor living space and then have a bunch of questions. We give that to all of our students. They have it to work with. They can adjust it, but it gives them a starting point of uh, you know how to sit on a questionnaire and in the questionnaire to work with as well. Next thing you know, the client sends it back in and we're like, okay, they're viable right? They actually did a little work for themselves. It's not just for us. It's for them too. It's, it's an unpacking of the journey for them. And then once we get that back, we do our discovery call where we'll spend 20 minutes or so with the, both decision makers on that call or we will not take the call. And we, just, we discuss how to make sure you get both of them there because I don't know about you, Scott, but I'm not going to be spending a hundred grand without my wife involved. Would you? I'd be in trouble. <laughs> well, not just that. She wouldn't have the opportunity to put any of her little creative flares on it and making sure we managed and met all of her expectations. I used to just try to say, look, as long as I got a heartbeat on the phone, somebody with a checkbook, we're good to go. Problem was I ran into objections later in the process. And listeners out there, you tell me if that hasn't happened to you before. Where you get deep into a project, maybe it's in a design, maybe it's in a proposal, maybe it's building it, which is the worst time for this to happen. And you've been working with Mrs. Jones the entire time and Mr. Jones pops out of the woodwork and says, no, I don't want it there. Why are you doing this? And then you've got major change orders and a whole project that has just been derailed because of someone who's never been part of the conversation because Mrs. Jones or Mr. Jones has said, I handle everything. I don't know about you, but I've had that happen a few times in my past and it was painful as hell and I lost money on it. Yep. And it threw the schedule off and it was just horrible to deal with. And it, at times I almost wanted to get out of the industry because I was just so sick and tired of that. I said, how do we solve that problem? The way we solve that problem is by getting both decision makers involved. And I know that that seems like a hell of an ask for some of you guys out there. It was for me in the beginning too, but it's all in how you frame it. You know, Scott, if we say, look, here at Masterplan, we require both decision makers on the call or we won't take it. If you say it that way, that direct, what's the likelihood of you getting that situation to happen? Not very likely. Not well. No, nobody <laughs> wants to be told what to do. They don't want to be mandated to do anything. 
They don't want to be required to do anything. So how do we phrase it in a way that they see the value in getting it done for themselves, right? Every human is self-focused. We all are. It's just what it is. That's how we survive. The question, what's in it for me, runs constantly in human minds. That's what it is. Like, let's just call it what it is. It's not right or wrong. It's just what it is. So if you can paint a picture where they can see what's in it for them, in a sense of, instead of saying we require you to do it, see guys, look, over the last so many years, we've learned that we get the very best results with our projects. If we have both of you and your husband on the phone so that we can get and really go deep, we're going to spend about 20 minutes, go deep into this project. I want to make sure I can hear both of your opinions and what your thoughts are so we can design and develop the very best solution for you guys. You on board with that? Yeah, of course. Does that sound different than we require you to do it? It's just in how you phrase it. And this is easy to learn. It's not that hard to learn. You just got to understand the angle in which you need to approach this. Then it'll be like, yeah, no problem. And if one of them is busy, we reschedule. We will not take that call without both of them because we know that we both get screwed, not just us. It's not like we're trying to control the situation. It's not it at all. We know that they won't get the best solution then. So knowing that after all these years of doing it, and why not just start there? One thing I love what you, everything you've been saying so far is you are not coming across salesy. I know that's like one of the biggest struggles I hear is that when they want to start learning sales, Blinsky wants to learn sales. So I want to be salesy. Well, you don't have to. It's all your tone and the way you ask questions. And I, I love all the stuff that you're talking about here. For those that are interested in learning a little bit more about Yes Express, how can they uh, learn about it and where can they reach out to you? Absolutely. And I appreciate that. So if this does sound like you, if you're landscaper, hardscaper, outdoor living professional that would love to spend more time with their family and less time chasing leads and would like to take their closing rates way up as opposed to being the you know 25% average or even 50% on the great side, if you want to get that up to 80, 90% closing rate, reach out to us. That's what we help you with. And it's not just a bunch of stupid questions that you can feel sleazy about out there. We don't teach you how to sell shit. We teach you how to have a conversation with people, human to human, and figure out if you're the right fit. That's really what it's all about. So you can go on our website. It's yes.express, not.com. It's yes.express. You can see our website there. We have some programs. We have a sales mastery program, which is a program that is focused uh, primarily for design build and design manage professionals who offer design as an option and will be selling that design to the client. We find that design is mostly needed above a $25,000 project. Anything below that, you can sometimes get away with basic stuff, unless it's like a one-off we call them, or if it's like a retaining wall or just like a long flower bed or 55 of those things planted, whatever it might be. But if you're dealing with design and charge for design, which you should be, then uh, we teach you how to have that conversation. And so many times, We've worked with clients that have thought the project was going to be twenty-five dollars or $30,000. And by the time we had a good conversation with them, they opened their budget a lot more because they didn't even know these things were possible, right? So that client that might only come in at 30, they might leave at 130. They might leave at 50. They might leave at 20. You never know. But my point is we have a conversation around that. So that's what it's all about. So the, the sales mastery part is step-by-step step, from initial call to the questionnaire, to the discovery call, all the way out to the meeting. So how to take what you've learned in that discovery call and knock the socks off your clients when you get out there. So you stand out from anybody else they're talking to. They're going to be like, this guy or gal, she or he is just on their game. They understand. They get me. That opens up the opportunities for you tenfold or more. And it also allows you to connect with the clients that are truly excited about working with you and willing to pay your rates. That's what you want, right? We all want to make money. This isn't just a charity that we go out and work because we want to see our equipment work and just to pay bills. We want to have some money at the end of the year. You know, we don't want to go back to that cycle that I was in where I come back to zero every freaking year. So I was like, you know what? Let's figure out a way that we can make more than we need so that we can give more, so that we can create more time with our families, so that we can make a bigger impact in life. And that's really the bigger play of it all. So we have the 
Sales Mastery, we also have what we call the Sales Accelerator, which is a program for students who do projects from, you know, say a couple hundred bucks to the 25,000 mark, where design's not required, right? That you can get away with it. So we have a conversation right in there. We have a, a whole system that's an online system you can go through and do now. The Sales Mastery program, we do a lot of role play. So it's, a, it's an interactive, so you'll watch stuff online and then you'll come into class and we'll implement it. Because I don't know about you, Scott, but I'm a learner, my fingers, my hands. When I'm doing it, it internalizes. If I just tell you, here's a couple of procedures and you try them once and they don't work because you're scared or because it feel awkward, then you just wasted a ton of money and time. Where when we get the opportunity to do this in a safe environment where you can come in, sweat. I mean, I've seen grown men sweat. I've seen former military and Marines come in thinking they're going to be tough and they sweat through the process. But you know what? That's only week one. After that, they come in with such confidence and they start implementing this into their businesses and they start seeing the results. And that's really the cool part when they come back on like week three or four and they're like, dude, I just did what's in the program with one client, just one piece of it. You ought to see the response I got from them. And I was like, exactly. Now start putting them together, right? So we have programs for both, again, from zero to 25,000 with no design involved and then from 25 up to the stars with the design involved where you charge for it. We also have a mastermind. So it's the inner circle mastermind where it's like 99 bucks a month, man. It's, the, the, the goal is that everyone can afford it. They can come in and we talk about stuff like this. We talk about business and, and going from design build to design manage. We talk about marketing. We talk about everything under the sun, tons of mindset stuff. It's just a, a melting pot of space for other professionals to come in and sit down and have a conversation about what's really going on so that we can all help each other as a tribe. This is not about me telling people what to do. This is about a tribe helping each other. It's about a brotherhood. I used to think I was an island. I thought I need to know everything and I had to control it all and everything would be, I'd be happier then. The problem was I could only do so much and I wasn't all that good at it. So once I started having other people involved and started building a tribe around me and started now building a tribe in this way as well through the mastermind, man, it's incredible to watch each one of them help each other and they bring ideas and thoughts into the class and we all work together what they're struggling with, what they're winning at and others are learning, right? Instead of someone calling me as a coach and said, hey, you know, how can I fix this problem? And I help one person or they help themselves, we can have the entire team learn from it and they all can learn and they can all grow from that. So having that collective, even if it's not my program, Go to a mastermind, get involved with a tribe, find your tribe, because you know we are not islands. We do not have to do it alone. And I wish I would have learned that a lot earlier in life, but since I know that now, I'm just trying to help everybody find their tribe so that they can grow and prosper, because why would you want to spend decades trying to learn something on your own when people have already figured it out? It could take days for you to implement it. Taking decades and compressing them into days, that's how you speed things up. I love it. That's, that's an amazing program. The uh, first one you talked about, the, was that does that have an online portion to it as well? Yep. Plus the role playing? Okay. Yeah. So, Sales Mastery, the goal here is to go online. You can, uh, you know, once a student signs up, they go immediately online. There's, there's tons of learning content there. It's broken down week by week. It's a seven week process. And we take you week by week through this process so you can learn it all. And then you come into class once a week for an hour. And we do a live Zoom class and we take what you've learned and we teach you how to implement it. Listen to how you have your business running and how this can implement into it. And then we do a lot of role play. So, you know, when it comes to the budget side, you know, some of the students will be the clients and others will be, or another one will be the designer. And we flip flop back and forth so they can see it from both perspectives. And they can say, wow, it really felt sleazy the way that was said. Okay, okay, try it this way. And then we show our way to do it. Next thing you know, they're like, I felt a lot better. And I could say that to anybody. That's the idea, right? It's never about selling. I'm not selling anything. I'm just trying to help people find the best solution. And if it's us, that's awesome. If it's not, we're going to direct them to somebody it is. Awesome. This is, this is an amazing conversation here, guys. I hope everybody was taking notes and writing down some of the key information that Joshua talked about here today. Joshua, I do have one quick question. If you have a, one second before we... Please. Yeah. yeah. So since you've been in this industry for roughly about 24 years, 
What do you think has been one of the biggest changes you've seen come through the screen industry? Biggest change that I've seen coming through this industry now, starting out from basic cleanups to doing, you know, six figure projects all the time, is that with the age of social media and Instagram, people now know what is more possible, even though they only do it once or twice in a life. They want the outdoor space to be an expansion of their indoor space, right? In the beginning, that wasn't the case. They just wanted the patio or a deck. And you remember those square slabs out in the back where everybody kind of huddled onto, felt like they were in prison because they didn't want to step in the grass and they have all the chairs and moving tables around because that's all grandma could afford. That's changed. They want all the comforts of inside the house. They want it outside and they want to make a statement with it, right? That's what they want. They want a space that's comfortable. Our job is to make sure that they aren't over-investing in that space. That's our job. So if we think of it that way as the guide, trying to guide them through that process, because everything looks good, everything looks fun on Instagram, but not everybody has a half million dollar budget to build what they see there. And they have no idea what it costs. How could they? So it's that integration. It's that whole package that extends that living space from indoor to outdoor with the same comforts and you know, like heaters and all that stuff outside. They don't want to be cold. They don't want to be wet. They don't want to be in the sun. They want to be comfortable. But let's define what that looks like for them. That's one of the big questions. Mrs. Jones, you mentioned comfort in the backyard. What does comfort mean to you back there? What does that look like? Let her paint the picture. Give her the paintbrushes. She'll say, well, I really just want to sit there and read a book in the afternoon and watch my dog run around in the backyard and the grandkids come over and are throwing water balloons at each other and throwing you know, their paper airplanes around. Guess what you're going to put in your design? <laughs> She's painting it for you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Some great stuff. Joshua, thank you very much for being on the show today. I greatly appreciate you taking the time with us today. Just again, can you give that a website that listeners can listen out to or reach out to, I should say? And also just so everybody knows, I'll put it in the show notes. Absolutely. Yes. So it's uh, yes.express, not.com. It's yes.express. Also have a podcast called The Outer Spaces Podcast. You can find it on all of the platforms that have podcasts. You'll find that everywhere. Been doing it a long time. And for me, it's about giving back. I've been so blessed in this industry and had so many amazing people that I've able to ride on their shoulders throughout and, and all of that. And now it's a matter of how many people can we possibly help? And I know that's why you do what you do, Scott. You don't do this for, you know, it's, it's not easy to keep all this up. And I know you've been doing it a long time. You know, it becomes a give back at a certain point. And we're like, you know what I wish? I want to be the person that I wish I had back in those days. You know, I want to give the access to information that I've learned. And it's for some, it may not be for all, and that's okay. Again, God's given us certain gifts. And it's our job to make sure that we're, you know, discovering those gifts and sharing them with as many people as we possibly can. And that's the mission. I love it. All right, Josh. Well, thank you again for being here. And I look forward to uh, working with you in the future. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you, Scott, for the opportunity. And everybody out there, keep getting it. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You too. That's a wrap on another exciting episode here of the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Now, thank you for joining us on this journey. And thank you for being a member of our community. Remember our motto, do it dirty means just get started and not be afraid of making mistakes. We honestly believe this is one of the keys to the success in this industry and in life. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment, head over to Apple and leave us a review. Your support helps us reach more listeners and bring even more value to the show. Until next time, keep doing it dirty and grow your business to new heights.